0: 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1-5 to five. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith but the Lord is faithful he will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And we have confidence in the Lord about you, that you are doing and will do the things that we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. So we're going to be talking today about having confidence in the Lord. According to Beyond Blue, Three million Australians today are living with anxiety and or depression. Um, And this figure is on the rise. It was on the rise even well before the pandemic. Um, But although through the pandemic, uh, worries and media hysteria and, and everything's just exacerbated things somewhat. But over the years, it's believed that one of the factors of the increase in anxiety has been social media of all things, where because people all of a sudden they start comparing themselves to comparisons that aren't real. Um, so they compare their lifestyle with other people's lifestyle, and they feel that they're missing out, and they. And they compare themselves to other people, and well, I don't measure up because I'm not as good looking as that person. Or, or look at the wonderful things that this person thinks, and I don't think those things. Look at the things that they say, and I don't. I don't come up with things like that. And and they just feel that they ne- never measure up. And and they just feel that everybody else is so much better than than them. And they have a fear that they're missing out because somebody's done such an exciting thing and they've done an exciting thing but I haven't done either of those things and and they have the fear of missing out. See the thing is social media it's it's largely about self-promotion and yet people have an illusion that they're being given a window into another person's life without realising that they're only getting to see what the other person wants them to see. And even when they do get a glimpse of the other person's weaknesses, even that usually gets presented as some kind of virtue of, oh, I I realised that I didn't have it all together and and I needed help and I'm such a big person because I've I've realised I've needed help. And so even their weaknesses get presented as a virtue. And the constant barrage of media... Um, reputable media and made up news and made up problems and fear mongering, all of this builds up and the fear mongering gets shared and reshared until the worry of the mob consumes the individual. Now, the world would have us believe that, in, that we have the strength in ourselves to overcome our anxieties and, and we just need to learn how to harness that strength and to develop our own strength a bit you know what as christians we don't have self-confidence at least we shouldn't have in fact until you rid yourself of self-confidence you cannot become a disciple of jesus we don't have self-confidence because we have nothing to base that sort of confidence on self should never be our source of confidence. It should not be seen as a source of strength. What gets us through, and what, what, what more than gets us through, what establishes us, and what guards us, and what keeps us, and what directs us, and what keeps us in steadfastness isn't self. It's the Lord. Our confidence is not in ourselves, Our confidence is not in any man or any woman. Our confidence is not in any government of the day or any kind of hoped-for hero who's going to come in and swoop in and save the day. Our confidence is not in wealth. It's not in insurance. It's not in management. It's not in investments. Our, Our hope is not in alliances. Our hope, our confidence is in the Lord. That's why when troubles arise, We don't seek our own plans, we don't seek our own strategies, we seek the Lord. And ultimately, our confidence in the Lord will be expressed in our prayer life, will it not? Now, as I studied the reading for today, but but even well before then, I've become increasingly aware that we as a people, and sometimes us as Christians, we get... All anxious and all worried about the wrong things. Some of our listeners who who listen into this message um, are currently going through some pretty devastating floods over the last couple of weeks and even right now. Um, But I've been appalled to see climate change activists using these dreadful events to build on the fears of a godless nation. And some of the things they say is just outlandish. It's only the godless who can believe that man controls the weather. It's only the godless who can claim that it's government policy that's caused these floods, as some people have made these claims. Um, As Christians, we know who's in control of the weather, do we not? I'm hoping everybody's, yeah. And anybody guess who it might be it's the Lord. The Lord is in control of the weather. Surely it has to be the height of human arrogance to claim that we humans control the weather. Our hope, our confidence is in the Lord. not in man, not in ourselves, not in government policy. But what we truly see is important, that's what we're going to pray about. And in this passage, as we dig into it, we're going to realise what really is important. The things of eternal significance. And key to this is the gospel itself. How the gospel is preached, how the gospel is received, and how the gospel is lived. Now, earlier on, Paul lets the church of the Thessalonians know that he's been praying for them. And now... It's a bit of a reciprocal thing. He, he said before, I'm praying for you. But now he's asking them to pray for him. Only he's not wanting them to pray for his own well-being. His call essentially is for them to pray for the advance of the gospel. He starts out by saying, finally, brothers. Now, now this lets, helps me remember that Paul's a typical preacher. He says, finally, And then he doesn't shut up. He he just keeps talking on and on and on. That's what we preachers do. So I'll say finally now, and and that way I'll probably finish at about the right time. Finally, brothers, he says, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honoured as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. Now, when Paul took the gospel to Thessalonica, they received the gospel um, with great joy. And and because of this, these Thessalonian church, they they have a spot really close to Paul's heart. And Paul is wanting them to pray that the word of the Lord would speed ahead and be honoured just like what happened in Thessalonica. Right? There was a good response to the word at Thessalonica. Now He's saying, pray that that same thing will happen in other places. Now, our call, the call that God puts on your life, the same as that God puts on my life, is to share the word. Right? You'll have more opportunities to share the word of the Lord with your friends than what I will to share them with your friends. But whether the word takes root or not and how that word is received, you can't really do much to help that because that's the work of the Lord. That's the work of the Spirit. You see, not everywhere was as receptive to the gospel as what it was in Thessalonica. When Paul went to Thessalonica, yes, they received it with great joy. But some other places he went, their hearts were really hard and hardly anyone responded. But worse than this were the times that he would come into a town or a city and he'd share the gospel of Jesus Christ and he would be violently opposed by people. And we see this very thing in our culture today. We preach the gospel and some will hear it and some will receive it and think, wow, this is the best news ever. And they've experienced Christ come into their heart. It's been a joyous thing. But then there's others just aren't so excited about it all. Like they, they hear the gospel, but yeah, okay, that's not for me. But yeah, whatever floats your boat. If you, if you want to preach the gospel, that's fine with me. Live and let live, you can do that. But I, I don't believe, and that's okay. But then there's others who are passionately and at times violently opposed to the gospel. Some people make it their life's ambition to stifle anything of the gospel, to stifle all of the work of the church. These are the sorts of people who will put in complaints to try and undermine what Christian schools are trying to do. They're the sorts of people who, who try and undermine Chris, ch- Christian and church ministries of all sorts. Now, I find it really strange that people who don't even believe that there is a God how they can hate God so much it's like I really hate nothing and, and I hate it passionately it's like what is that why do people who don't believe in God hate him so much and this is what Paul refers to as wicked and evil men uh, by the way I think he means women as well um, we are we, we all agreed there's wicked and evil women as well Oh, good. There's even women nodding. Phew. Yeah. Um, but these are the people who oppose Christ and his word. And, and Paul uses a bit of a play on words here. That the wicked and the evil ones, those who oppose the gospel, he, he says of these, not all have faith. Right. So what he's saying is the ones who oppose the gospel are the faithless ones. And then he says, but the Lord is faithful, and what we see is is when the when the word of God is preached, sometimes there will be opposition. But even though there's opposition, we can we can take heart because we know that the Lord is faithful. And sometimes we, we might be left feeling, oh, I did a terrible job of that. But then later on, we find out that hearts were touched by the lord anyway why because the lord is faithful i've experienced this numerous times there's been times when i've prepared a message and gone yeah i think it's okay and then i give the message and as soon as i as i'm going thinking oh man i don't think anyone was even listening to that that was a shocker and and i finish and i feel really embarrassed like i think i've let the lord down here but you know what? More often than not, when I feel like I've let the Lord down, that's when somebody will come forward to me after the service and say, you know what? God really touched me with what you said there. And I'm not sort of like, my mind's going, seriously? How could that have happened? But of course, my words will come out and say, yeah, God does that. It's true. This is what God does. Sometimes we feel that we've let the Lord down. But there's a but here. But the Lord is faithful. Our confidence is in the Lord. And sometimes things might seem like they're going pretty bad, but there's a but here. But the Lord is faithful. Our confidence is in the Lord. Verse 3 says, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. What does it mean for the Lord to guard us against the evil one? Remember, Jesus taught us to pray for this very thing. He taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. For the Lord to guard us. He's not talking about our physical well being. He's talking about faith. He guards us in what he establishes us in. He establishes us into faith. He establishes us into his ministry he establishes us into his kingdom he establishes us into his life death and resurrection he establishes us into obedient service of our lord he establishes us into steadfastness in christ and what he establishes us into that's what he guards us from falling away from by the temptations of the evil one and that's the aim of the evil one you know The aim of the evil one is to get you to fall away from what God has established you into. But God is faithful. And the Lord, because he is faithful, he will guard us in what he has established us into. So he's not saying that I'm going to guard you against sickness. He's not saying I'm going to guard you against all opposition or, or all troubles or poverty or persecutions or suffering. In chapter one, Paul has already told this Thessalonian church that they are privileged to share in the sufferings of Jesus. Because in Christ, we are considered worthy to suffer for Christ. So he's not saying that he's going to guard against those sorts of things. Our confidence is in the Lord, that he will establish us in the faith and that he will guard us in the faith. Now, that's actually been a little bit of a change in Paul's understanding. Because Paul, he's the same as all of us. He's learning all the time. And in the first letter that Paul wrote to that church in Thessalonica, his concern was that because of the, the afflictions that they were copying, that, that they might lose faith and they might stop following Jesus. And in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, he says to them, for this reason, right, because I was worried that, that, that you've been copying all this and I was worried for you, for this reason, when well, I couldn't bear it any longer... I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labour would be in vain. What was his concern for? For their faith. That through all of this suffering that, they, that, that, that Satan might say, hey, it's just not all worth it. And they might believe him. And that's what the evil one does. The evil one throws all sorts of suffering at those who believe. His purpose is to tempt us into believing that it's just not worth it. But our confidence is in the Lord. And no matter what suffering comes our way, it don't matter because our confidence is in the Lord. He's got this. And Paul's confidence in the Lord is that we won't just believe, but that we would live out what we believe. That, that we would keep the commandments as well. See, we, we don't hide our faith. We don't hide our Christianity. We don't hide the gospel. We believe it. We preach it. We live it. And all of what Paul has just said, I reckon he sums up in verse 5. May the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ. What a beautiful prayer. In times of suffering, in times of anxiety, in times of the unknown it's easy to lose perspective and it's tempting to lose perspective. When things get tough, the, the temptation is to feel and we process it in our minds, well, this mean, must mean that God doesn't love me. I mean, oh, maybe it means that, well, God's let me down. But the truth of the matter is the exact opposite. Things are not as they seem. Which is why Paul prays, may the Lord direct your hearts to the love of God. See, the love of God, the love that God has for you, was settled once and for all when Jesus went to the cross for you. If you ever feel, have that feeling, I don't know if God loves me, remember the cross. Then you'll remember how much God does love you. If the Lord loves us so much that he sent his own son to die for us, he's not going to desert us. The Lord loves you more than you could ever realise. May the Lord remind us of this over and over and over again. You know, we, we, we never graduate from needing to remember and dwell on and think about the love of God. It's really important as Christians that we do that. And may the Lord direct our hearts also to the steadfastness of Christ. In his suffering is where Christ demonstrated his steadfastness. He stood steadfast in his mission to save the world. The temptations of Christ—that was that was about Satan trying to tempt Christ away from his mission and offer him other ways. But Christ remained steadfast, and he remains steadfast today. We can trust him because of his steadfastness. He is faithful. Which is why we also can endure because our confidence is in him and he, by his spirit, is in us. So it's not self-confidence we have. It's confidence in Christ. For the spirit of Christ is in us. We can endure. How is that truth going to play out in your life what outer opposition are you battling with at the moment what inner battle do you have going on what what questions are you grappling with that you need to, to look to the Lord that you need to direct your heart to the love of God and to the steadfastness of Christ so that you can put your full confidence in him. How's that going to play out in your life? What anxieties are looming before you that needs a renewed confidence in the Lord? Now, if you're sitting here today, you might be feeling, I have a need for that kind of confidence in the Lord. And some of you may have never even known Christ as your Lord. Today's the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love for us and we thank you for the steadfastness of Christ. We thank you, Lord, that the gospel has sped ahead and that we've heard your word and you've led us to believe. Lord, for some today, it'll be the first time that they say, Lord, I believe. For others of us, it'll be a belief that we want to renew our belief in you. Lord, we believe. And we thank you for the faith that you've given us and that you have established us in and you will guard us in. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our whole lives to you. Lord, we stop being confident in ourselves and we seek to put our confidence in you. Lord, truly be our Lord to us. Lord, we thank you for the love that you have for us. We know that that was demonstrated once and for all on the cross. Lord, renew our awareness of that love in us day by day, that we would never grow tired of this. And Lord, as we we come into times of trouble and fear and anxiety, Lord, we turn to you. We remember your love, we remember your steadfastness and we have complete confidence in you, Lord. Keep us, Lord, in your love and in the steadfastness of Christ. Amen.